0: Just in case I have some sort of like illness, I don't want to get you sick. Okay, I, have I mean I just been sick for the past like this is the first week in the past four. Yeah, I felt good. So yeah, and then please... you came over here and I looked like hell.
1: Yeah, please do not get <laughs> me any more sick. I am I am done with whatever sickness. I am not down with the sickness, Chris. Whatever whatever illness is going around, be it either the wuhan or the corona or
0: the i like wuhan flu just sounds or, like Wu-Tang or, or, clan. And,
1: you know a couple of my students came down they called in they're like yeah i can't come into lessons today because i have influenza type right a. right and you're and like, like "Well, like, yeah, stay, yeah, away you stay away forever stay away right <laughs> even the cold normally chris because i work out i eat healthy blah 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 so immune system whatever i can usually kick a cold right. in a couple of days right right this thing took me like three plus weeks and then it, it, it was gone for a couple days, and then it came back over uh last not last weekend, but the weekend before. So yeah, no, keep whatever you got over there. Yeah, please. I just got back
0: from Helen, Michigan for a hockey tournament. There were eighty four different rooms according to the hotel filled with hockey players and just oh, children God. everywhere. And with that many children, you're gonna get sick.
1: Yeah, and hockey gear is <laughs> hockey gear is just the a- Hockey gear is just a giant incubator right. for whatever right. illnesses. We already found out yeah. that he
0: walked out. None of these hockey players like cut their hair. And he walked out wearing somebody else's skull cap. And my wife was like, we're all going to have lice. <laughs> like All these kids have <laughs> nice. long hair. We're all going to have lice. Anyway, let's get into the White Sox because there's a lot to cover today. Shall we? I have an announcement coming up here in just a few minutes. But before we get to that, I want to jump in on something that I read on CBS Sports this week while I was prepping for my fantasy baseball league, I always like to try to find outside-of-the-box evaluations of White Sox players or the team as a whole. because Right, because you can't go with the local media. Well, the local media is good. We talk to guys that cover them locally. But it's nice every once in a while to get a fresh perspective well, from it's somebody because nice, nice they have everything nas- invested in the nice place. To get
1: a national perspective, yes. So when the national media takes the time to actually acknowledge that the White
0: Sox exist, but anyway, go ahead. There were two players in, in, included in articles on CBS Sports recently. They had to do with fantasy baseball, but it's very applicable to the White Sox season because these guys are evaluating: is this guy going to be better or worse? Should you go draft him? What is he worth? One guy was listed as a bust. Like a flat-out bust. They said, they said the way that people think of him, it's not going to be that good this year. And the factors they gave were, don't pay for skills that are abundant. Now, that just has to do with fantasy baseball. So ignore that. But they also said, father time is undefeated, and what he did and what his potential is is too good to be true. And that was Jose Abreu. Hmm. Their belief is that as he's getting older, He's not going to improve. There's going to be decline at this point. That was what they were writing. I'll read the I'll read the paragraph on him, and then we can talk about it. Right, go ahead. Abreu managed to drive in 123 runs and lead the AL in 2019, but finished just eighth in fantasy scoring at first base, a sign of how pedestrian his production is overall compared to other first basemen. He finished 12th at the position in OPS, and while his average bounced back a bit from a down year, it was still the second lowest of his career, He's a decent first base fallback option, but paying for him off of a career outlier in RBI, basically saying 123 runs. We don't think he's going to do that. So your take listening to that, I know it's a fantasy baseball report, but it does give some insight into how people are evaluating Abreu coming into this year. What do you, what do you think of that when you think of who we've also added around him? And in fact, Encarnacion is now on the lineup and Robert's going to be up there and Aloy Jimenez on the second, on his second stint up here in the majors. Like, I'm surprised by that.
1: Abreu had, had, in 2019, he spent, if I'm not mistaken, he spent a good amount of time uh, with one Yonder Alonzo batting behind him. So he was getting absolutely no protection there. He wasn't getting a lot of protection in, in general from the DH position. So <clears throat> the fact that he drove in still 120 RBIs... Uh, to me, is still impressive. At this point, I'm not so worried about the average. Will he, in the next couple of years, regress? Yes. But is he still going to be a solid option at first base who plays decent defense, Who who also will get you around 90 to 100 RBIs and probably hit you about
0: 25 home runs or more next couple of years? Yeah, I think so. Well, oh, I think he's going to have more than 100 RBIs just because of the fact that he's got a really good lineup that's around compared to last year. Last year we had four guys maybe, exactly. sometimes five exactly. that were actually major leaguers that you would want on your team in that lineup at a given time. And now you look at the lineup and you go, well, I'm happy with all this. I mean, I'm waiting for Nick Madrigal because uh, the hype is real. And I'm I'm waiting to see whether or not it, what he's going to do. But even if Danny Mendick or Leary Garcia is in there in that second base spot to start the season, that's a professional baseball lineup now. If he gets over 120 RBIs in in a lineup that's basically a triple A lineup, with the exception of three or four guys around him, look, he's at least getting over 100 RBIs. There's this something year. else. He's at least batting in runs. Right. I think he's at least. He's, he's a positive to your team. There's something else, too, and we've talked. There's something else, too, about Abreu
1: that you have to consider that goes beyond the saber metrics and the fantasy baseball numbers. It's just his X factor contributions to this team, his leadership contributions to this team. I'm sorry, but I don't think you can overlook that.
0: No, I think that is I that doesn't think that count that is, in fantasy baseball. No, but for us we see we see him very differently than what the, they see him as.
1: Right, because you got you've got guys on this team that are the players that they are, or are soon to be turning into the players that we expect them to be. Partially because of the mentorship of one Jose Abreu, Yoan Mankata, I believe, is an outstanding example of this not to say that you want to heap all of the credit for Johan Mancada on Jose Abreu but I got to believe that that had having a guy like Jose Abreu in the locker room has something to do with that.
0: All right, let's move on to the other guy that gets mentioned. There were a lot of players from a lot of teams here. They had a section on fantasy baseball breakouts. Guys moving from starter to star or superstar. Okay, and they had Johan Mankata in the star to superstar category. I believe that. Now I believe that. Let me read what it says, and I and I find it funny because we actually were on with some of the things that they're talking about in this article a year ago. Mankata already made one leap in 2019, but there is room for even more. He isn't going to sustain a BAPIP that is batting average balls in play north of 400, but he does have a career. 369 BAPIP in nearly 1,500 plate appearances in the majors. So it's fair to expect him to be among the league leaders yet again in that category. Mankata has always been an incredibly intriguing collection of tools and he started to put most of them into action in games in 2019. Thanks largely to a much needed change in approach to being more aggressive to avoid pitcher counts. The next step then is to start putting this considerable athleticism into play. He stole 45 bases in both 2015 and 2016 in the minors and was still in the 72nd percentile in average sprint speed in 2019. So there's plenty of ability there. The hope is now that he has established himself as a force in the batter's box and he'll have a bit more comfort on the base paths. They're talking ceiling. They compare him to Trevor Story, Hmm. somebody you could take in a fantasy baseball draft in the first two rounds this year. Now think about that that that's a superstar. Yes, it that's is. what they see him as. Now I want, before you jump into this, I want to add okay. a few things that I've read recently. Go One, for it. Go for it. People have tried to say that because his bat pip is high, which basically indicates he got lucky. Some people say, well, he's lucky. Okay. I mean, it, balls are just falling in the right spot for him. He's going to regress. But what this points out is he always hits in the right spot. So maybe it ain't luck. Maybe he's actually skilled. The second thing is the speed thing. I've read two articles already in the white Sox press where he's talking about, I want to steal more bases. So they're right in line with that. They just came right. at it from a different direction. Right. And the third thing is, Moncada was quoted as saying this week that he prefers to bat second in the lineup. Remember last year? How much we talked about that? Ask
1: you about that? Yeah, because where is he? Where are they putting him in the lineup this year? I did see that. I did pass over that. It was quote. almost
0: as if he listens to socks in the basement. <laughs> and we have a whole episode where we break down his numbers when he's batting second and has a Brayu behind him, to when he doesn't have a Brayo behind him. Like, we went through the Abreu, like, we were trying to figure out, remember? We went through this whole thing, like, when you got Alonzo in there, and when you got Abreu with no protection, and when you got this, and when you got that. We were trying to figure out, like, where guys should slide. And it all came and down. And made sense in the
1: two-hole with Abreu right behind and him. And it all came down to a couple of, we came down to a couple of conclusions. Don't bat Mankata first, because that's not where he should be. If Ricky bats him first, I'm going to lose my mind. Right, Stop batting Tim Anderson second. Put him down in the six or seven spot he because he thrives at that. He figured it and out keep, later in the year. Yeah. And keep Mancada in the two position. Right. That was those were the conclusions that we drew from all of those uh, extrapolations of those numbers. So the other thing about Mancada that we had been mentioning a while ago, when not last season but the season before his rookie season, is that. He had a very high rate of striking out on pitches that were not actually in the zone. We kept talking about his plate discipline. We kept talking about his batter's eye. He's got eye, an incredible eye. His batter's eye. He's and got how, a Frank Thomas-like eye. And how because he was a rookie, or we felt that he, because he was a rookie, he wasn't getting the respect from the umpires on those pitches that should have been called balls that were actually being called strikes. We came up with some sort of number about how had those pitches been called strikes and not balls and not strikes, excuse me, that it would have added something like 20 points to his average.
0: Yeah, that was in, that was in the 2018 season when we were trying to explain why we thought he was going to break out. Right. Right. And, and he broke out. And now as, as he continues this trajectory that he's on, he will become a respected guy at the plate umps are going to learn that his eye is good and when they're not sure they're going to defer to him umps used to defer to frank thomas all the time yes remember he could take a pitch and it would be the most borderline pitch randy johnson's kick in the dirt (laughs) and thomas just gets out real quietly and it's like the umps like frank thomas ain't swinging that's a ball right you know he's not there yet but he's going to get to that i think eventually he's going to get to that i've said it before i'm going to say it again i think he's a legit mvp candidate if he just Continues to build on what he did. Like I mean, look, I I know Mike Trout is the greatest baseball player in the world. Of course. All right, I get that, but he's a candidate. The ballot's gonna have more than just one name on it. He's one of those guys. Right. I think, well, and year. he did get a tenth place vote, I think, last year. Right. And then we had a local reporter just or, or, or a national reporter. Somebody lost it, got angry that there was a tenth place vote. Oh, for give him. me a break. That was a homer vote. That guy should have his vote taken away. You know. You always get that. Don't even get me started on that. You always get that. We're done with that. I want to get to our big announcement. Hit the music. We've already mentioned that Cork and Carry at the Park is our sponsor starting on March first. We are very proud that they are going to be the primary sponsor of Socks in the Basement. I am very excited to be working with such a. uh, It's a Southside tradition. It is. The place outside of the ballpark, in my opinion, to go and hang out pre- and post-game. I can't believe that they want to work with us as much as we want to work with them, and we're super proud to be a part of it. On the Saturday of opening weekend, the 28th, Socks in the Basement will be live at Cork & Carry. But there's a twist. Uh-oh, a twist. For the first time ever, we will also be broadcasting live. Now, let me explain how this works. The Podbean app, one of the ways that you can listen to podcast, allows us now to go live through the app. If you're listening through Podbean at either podbean.com, which you can access right through socksandbasement.com, it takes you to the Podbean feed, or if you have the app on your phone, your tablet, whatever, and it's available on Android, it's available on iPhone, when we go live, you'll get a notification. Socks and Basement is live. You go in, you're listening to us as we do the show. You are not only listening to us as we do the show, but you can hit a button and you can call in. Right, you can live leave, call-ins
1: occur. I think you can leave comments too. You can leave comments right. in
0: the chat room, and you can call in directly and speak with us and whoever our guests are going to be, which we're currently lining up. When it's all over, it gets immediately converted into a podcast form and appears on all the other podcast players. So don't worry, you don't want to listen to it live or you can't listen to it live. You're still going to hear the episode. But when it's recorded, it will be live on scene at Cork and Carry at the Park. This will be the beginning of something new for Socks in the Basement, as we will now be bringing you a second episode starting on that weekend. Correct. And every weekend following that, for the foreseeable future, will either be a live show with Collins where you can talk to me and Dave or a guest that we have, or there'll be in-depth interview series where we will release a full 30 minutes with one particular interviewee and get really deep. So there will be two shows now. Sometimes it'll be live, sometimes it'll be in-depth, but it's going to be our extra show that's going to be happening coming out on the weekends. We're going to continue with the Wednesday release, as always, just the way that it's always been. But we're also now going to have a Saturday release, either a live show or this in-depth show that you'll be able to get, and we will let you know each week like what's coming up this weekend. All right? That's exciting, huh? Cork and Gary at the Park becoming our sponsor allows me to do more. You know, every once in a while, somebody will sit there and say, oh, man, it's great. I just wish that there wasn't an ad. That ad is going to give you an extra show because mm-hmm. that ad pays right, for me right, to upgrade right. the service that does the hosting and go to, like, professional podcasting, which allows me to have the live stuff. Like, they, they're allowing us to be able to do more by spending money with socks in the basement. So, I want you to support them because they're supporting us, which gives you more socks in the basement.
1: And those Cork and Carry shows are always—it's always fun because you
0: just—you never know what got guests some might things, show up. Yeah, so, so it's going to be I I don't fun. have anything official yet, but I've got—I've got some things in the hopper. I'm, I'm hoping am hoping to make a big splash on that one, Dave. Definitely. Okay, so don't forget opening weekend, opening day. I wanted to go, so Saturday is when we're going to actually have our thing. I think a Saturday afternoon at the ballpark with Cork and Kerry is just going to be a blast. We look forward to seeing you. Keep listening to Socks in the Basement for more details. Everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SoxintheBasement.com. Dave, I was uh, invited along with a lot of White Sox Twitter and White Sox podcasts and blogs to participate in a three-part total of three hour season preview with another podcast called pinwheels and Ivy. I was asked to write something on Dallas Keuchel. That was my player that they asked me to write something on. So I want to read what I, what I said gotcha. on the program and hopefully I can get through it. Cause I keep losing my voice around this show. Dallas Keuchel is the stabilizing veteran presence that the White Sox starting rotation needed in order to take the next step. Whenever you add a two time all-star four gold gloves, 12 postseason appearances, a Cy Young Award, and a World Series ring to your young inexperienced rotation, it must be considered a huge positive. Keuchel also feels like a leader. He was the first former member of the 2017 Astros to really address what happened while he was at Sox Fest. He didn't shy away even though he was, wasn't a hitter or directly involved. He also couldn't wait to change his social media accounts to show his White Sox affiliation. He described himself, quote, as bad, bad Leroy Brown, south side of Chicago. That was on his Twitter account. <laughs> I remember that. His 2019 results were solid, especially considering that he didn't start the season with a team. His walk rate has stayed consistent over the years, but his effectiveness will be directly tied to the infield defense of the White Sox. A leader in inducing ground balls, the fielding of Joan Mancata, Tim Anderson, and eventually Nick Madrigal will determine if he will be a 15-game winner with a whip under 1.20 or a 10-game winner with a whip north of 1.35. At 32 years old, he also has almost the same chance of 200-plus innings as he has at only 150. We feel like Keuchel, I included you in this because they asked me, and I was like, I want to do a wee because Dave's part of the show. Well, thank you, Chris. I we, appreciate we that. We feel like Keuchel will perform well this season, plus serve as a sounding board for young pitchers while hopefully showing those young starters how to prepare like a vet. We're looking forward to the Kid Kikey beard section by midsummer at the ballpark. They were confused by the Kid Kikey thing on the show. I heard that. Um, that's his Twitter handle. Kid okay. Kikey. Okay. And so okay. What, what is this section? You're going to have just a whole bunch of dudes in, with beards? Yeah. Like all hanging out there? Yeah. Marketing like, department's got to get on it. Real beards or are they going to have like the fake beards? Like I think that on? real beards should be encouraged to be there, but they could also hand out the fake beards. But well, a King Beard section, I can't believe Brooks Boyer isn't already putting you it together. Can,
1: you can get enough dudes in there. You can get enough guys in their 20s. They're all, you know, beards are in right now, man. So, yeah,
0: I, I think you could get enough. So, that was my evaluation of him. And then you immediately told me this morning that you didn't like Keiko's comments on the Astros thing recently. Well,
1: it's not that I didn't like them. It's that I found them kind of, it was not so, an apology by any stretch of the imagination. So... He got asked, Dallas Keuchel did, about uh, the Astros scandal of 2017. And the context of the interview was that whether or not he thought it was important for other players who were involved in that scandal to come out and publicly apologize for it. All right. And I'm just going to read you. I'm going to read you the quotes, I'm to, it's, it's, and it gets deep. There's a few paragraphs here, so I want you to just so bear with me on this. But in response to that question, Keuchel says, quote, I'm just one dude. I guess it's ultimately up to the individual. He said, we're always going to be World Series champs because we were talented, and to me, we earned the right to be World Series champs. Disagree. Just because stuff came out about the 2017 Astros doesn't mean other teams weren't doing illegal stuff. Disagree. It just just means we were the ones that were caught. He goes on to say, I'm not here to dig into anything that happens. That's my feeling. But ultimately, it's up to the individual to show remorse or try to move on. That's true. I chose the remorse route because, personally, I felt that was what was owed. I felt like I owed it to my family and that's how I was raised. He goes on to say, I'm just going to remember that, but at the same time, I'm going to try to help this organization, the White Sox, win for the next three,
0: hopefully four or five years down the road. So I don't change my opinion of him one bit off of that. Okay, look. No, I don't know. He okay. did the right thing and he apologized. He's saying it's up to these guys individually. What am I going to do? I'm going to start judging them? Why would I be? Why are you putting me in that position? I'm totally fine with him saying that. I get why he's trying to say we would have won the World Series anyway and other people are doing it. I just don't agree with him. I think when you have teams like, when you have players like Mike Trout, Cody Bellinger, okay, uh, Trevor Bauer, when you have teams that are playoff caliber teams or Hall of Fame caliber players, that get in front of a microphone when they don't have to and say the things that they have been saying where they're basically like, these guys are cheaters, it's an embarrassment. Chris Bryant, it's an embarrassment. Okay. When you have that happening, do you think that those players say that kind of stuff when they don't need to if they know that they're doing the same thing on their team? Because they know that they're going to get caught eventually, right? Right, yes. And so why would they come out and say it? The fact that so many teams across baseball are saying nobody else was doing that, and they're cheaters, discounts that statement. Yes. And as far as the, I, agree, I agree with you on and that. And as far as the we were good enough and we deserve the, the World Series, you feel that way because you won the World Series. But that's like when I used to play a video game when I was a kid, and I would spend an entire 162-game season playing my EA Sports video game, and I would dominate and win 110 games. I actually did this one time. I played 162 oh, games boy. of my EA Sports baseball game. Nerd. Dominated with the White Sox. Got to the World Series and lost the first three games, and hit the reset button and went back because I was like, "That's ridiculous! Something's wrong with the game." Huh. That same reasoning that I had as a kid is the same reasoning you have that your cheating didn't have any impact on whether or not you were the World Series champion. It's
1: funny you you, you guys think he's kidding. He's done this. I've watched. Oh him do yeah, this. yeah. No, I was like, he something's it, wrong it, with this game. Yeah, no, it's not resetting. Is playing you, games it's not one, not two, you. and
0: three over again. That's insane.
1: That's what this is. If you're Dallas Keuchel, you're not... Okay, so a couple of things. If you're Dallas Keuchel, you're not going to obviously come out and publicly discount what you and the rest of the 2017 Astros accomplished. You're not going to do that. You're not going to come out and say, yeah, you know what, you're right, guys, my bad. We didn't deserve to win the World Series. Let's just give it back. You're not going to say that. First of all, I don't agree with the statement, as do uh, saying what you said. I don't agree with the statement that, well... He kind of says it's okay because the rest of the league was doing it too. No, it's not okay because it really to me it it, it's really the same excuse that we heard guys like Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and all that everybody else. Yeah. It's in the steroids. Everybody everybody else. Nobody's buying that now. Right. No. And then you have a guy like Frank Thomas come out and go, Hey, See what I'm doing over here? I, I ain't doing any of that stuff. Right. I'm putting up these numbers on my right. own. I'm and We not... know
0: we weren't cheating because we sucked during this entire time. Absolutely, so we weren't cheating. Absolutely. At all. So don't agree with that statement. Um, you had a good team during this time period, like let's the, say, the steroid era. Let's no, no. During this time period here, like 17, 18, 18 19. Okay, okay, even okay. 16 with the Cubs winning the World Series. Right. If you had a team during this time period when supposedly everybody was doing this, somebody would have found video proof. Somebody would have found something on YouTube. Look at how many trash can bangs have been have been found. Somebody's <laughs> searching for these. But also, if you had a team like this and you don't have a player on your team at spring training right now, ripping the Astros, I'm suspicious of you. Like you did something. Right. Have you noticed how the Red Sox, like Chris Sale? This is Chris Sale. Remember him and he got so upset because he thought somebody was using binoculars in Detroit. He lost his damn mind when he was with the White Sox. Oh, I
1: remember that.
0: Yeah. He was basically dismissing this whole thing as like, well, it happened. What are you going to do? He's not going to comment on it. You want to no, know why? No. The Red Sox are under investigation. Yes. Minnesota exactly. Twins. Everybody had a career year, year last year. I haven't heard a thing out of them. haven't heard a thing out of the Twins.
1: Like, oh, I'm, as far as a thing, as far no, as I coming what out, of say, coming I out, what coming of say. out. Like, that that protest was I can't
0: believe they did that. Can't believe they did that. That's terrible. I haven't heard a thing, not one thing out of one tw- twins player. Jake deRisie isn't sitting around saying, "I knew they were doing something." Everybody's quiet. So, is it possible? Maybe there were one or two other teams that might be doing something similar. Well, it's possible, but the idea that everybody is doing it, no, so it, your your World Series is justified is bull. No, I
1: don't. I don't agree. Yeah, it it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make it any. It doesn't make it any better. You can't use the excuse of, oh, well, everybody else was doing it. No, Listen, it, doesn't, you it doesn't work that way.
0: The 2017 through really 2019 Astros, because I can't believe that they stopped. If they got told, stop doing the thing with the garbage can in 2017, they found something else. I'm wholly convinced that Jose Altuve changed his shirt after he hit a walk-off against uh, Aroldis Chapman before he had his shirt taken off and wouldn't let them rip off his shirt after he had a home run to send them to the World Series. I'm totally convinced that that was for nefarious reasons. It's a buzzer. (laughs) It's something. But there's a reason. It's not because of a tattoo. It's not because his wife doesn't like him ripping off his shirt. There's plenty of video showing that he's done that before. So I I don't want to hear that. I'm totally convinced of all that. That team for that time period falls in my mind in the same category as steroid users who were caught. Agreed. Or at least there was enough smoke around them that I believe that they did it. And falls in the same category as the 1919 Chicago Black Sox. And for them to think that they can answer a couple of questions for a couple of days of spring training, and it's all gonna go away when 101 years later, nobody's all those guys are still banned from baseball from 1919. People are comparing, like people can't wait around the country to compare them to the Black Sox. Right. Okay. So if you think this is gonna go away, you are notorious. You used to be famous because you were good baseball players. You are notorious now. And that's why guys that are off their teams, like Marwan Gonzalez did talk when he was with, because he's with the Twins, but he talked because he was on the team. You see what I'm saying? Right. He talked because he was on the team. Guys that left the team have to talk. Because you're going to get booed by your own fan base if you don't say I'm sorry. Right? And it sounds to me from this,
1: it, it, from what I pull from this, it sounds like Keuchel wants to just move on from the whole thing. I mean, that's, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, Yeah. that's, that's the impression. That's the impression I get. I mean, because he puts the, he puts a lot of emphasis on, Hey, you know what? I'm just, I'm here to, you know, I'm here to win. I'm here to help the team. Hopefully for the next two, three, four years, you know, he didn't, I mean, he did. I guess, I I I guess that that is, I I feel feel like he apologized. Is that an apology? I feel
0: like he said that he, we did something wrong. I feel like he justifying it and saying other people were doing it is the wrong way to do it. But I understand that mentally, he needs to believe that for his own good. Because otherwise, he can't look at his own World Series ring and actually think it means something. Right. For the same reason that I believe that the video game wasn't working right. So I won, eventually, the World Series. Yeah, well, in six yeah. six games. After several resets. Now you're just a cheater. Okay. No, no, I won. I, I won. I still have it saved on the game somewhere. I'll show you after the show is over. I still have it. I got to hook up that system. Yeah. It's, it's the original PlayStation. Right, right. <laughs>